Hi there, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And we're here tonight with T and a total lack of sympathy. Mm-hmm. This is the first episode of Will and Grace in 2000. Oh, just 2000. Yep. Just 2000. That's just how yours work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, like, the new millennium, except not really because math, but we won't go there. It's, everyone assumes it's the new millennium, so. The Y2K bug hasn't happened. It's the whole thing. That Backstreet Boys album had dropped, and it was amazing. This early in January? No, it the their Millennium album dropped in ninety nine. Oh, I don't really remember. So like that. we could jam out to it being like I don't remember the specific year that Millennium dropped, I guess. It was literally called Millennium. Well, I just knew it was in the same time frame. Alright, everybody. Let's talk about the description of this episode, then we're gonna jump right into it. Uh so this one is Teen Total Lack of Sympathy. Will's new boss demands that he find some new clients for the firm. Jack and Grace buy a fifty dollar item and take it to Antiques Roadshow. So I have some things. Okay. First of all, did we know that that teapot was $50? I don't think so. I because didn't... Grace said it, she got it at like a lesbian thrift shop, which I didn't know was the genre of thrift shop. I mean, we're talking about New York here. I mean, fair. I would totally go to a lesbian thrift shop. But like, if you're buying a teapot at a thrift shop, why are you paying $50 for it? But I think that's the thing is I think that the entire description was bullshit. Yeah, that's, because that's fair. Because they also get the name of the show wrong because to avoid the very obvious thing that this description doesn't do. Antiques Roadshow obviously didn't give Will and Grace permission to use their show. Right, so what do they call it? Antiques on the Road. Yes, which is like Antiques Roadshow, except legally it's not Antiques Roadshow. And this show stars Porcelain Paul. I think the star of Antiques Roadshow does also have a nickname. Does he? I've never watched I've never watched it, so I don't really know. My only times that I've ever remembered watching Antiques Roadshow were like in a brief time when my family was too broke to afford cable and nothing else was on. It, that's not even the best option, though, in that scenario. I just mean, like, I was, like, a TV kid until I discovered reading, like, when I was eight. Fair. So, like, I didn't know that I had other options than to watch something boring on television. Yeah. Well, this episode reminded me a lot of um, the episode that was actually in just about the same position last year, which is Will on Ice. Oh, yes, it does kind of remind me of that. Um, it was a kind of the same position where it's the first episode back after a break, I think, or the second episode. Um, it features... Jack and Grace pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Jack then, and Grace kind of like nerd out together in that episode. Yeah, and there's there haven't been a lot of episodes with that exact pairing yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is kind of a nice like return because yeah. like we were talking about this a little bit earlier. It was like Jack and Grace nerd out and Will and Karen drink. Yes, it's sort of like the basis of both of those plots. Yeah, and in this particular case, they're nerding out over antiques. Roadshow, which, which we'll just is, keep calling it, I which guess. Which is up there with figure skating as, like, kind of a weird thing to nerd out about. But, like, if you're a gay and a girl, like, I can see, like, okay, we've crossed off ice dancing. Now let's go to Antiques Roadshow. I don't know what we're going to have next season. Like, oh, who knows? Show dogs, maybe? No, it'll probably be something like roller coasters, like amusement parks. Like, something that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but this episode features them with the teapot that we mentioned, which wasn't $50 as presented. Yeah, it was definitely cheaper because, like, their whole point was they were going to try and get on the show so they could be told that it was worthless so they could make the right face. Because they're not even trying to, like, make a bunch of money. Like, they know it's worthless. They're like, I just want to be on TV. I want to make the face. We can't make the face for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, we can't make the face, but just we'll post a picture of it. It's a great face. It's a good face. And and Jack wants to seduce Porcelain Paul. Right. So it's the perfect combination of, like, Grace being, like, a fame, you know, hound. And... That was a really nice pivot away from what you obviously wanted to say. Which a was, fame hound. Which was a fame whore. <laughs> well, but Matthew knows that we don't like that language on this podcast. A so. fame hound. A fame hound. I like it. Um, that's a real term. Oh, is it? Yes, I didn't just make that up. That sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> <Asshole>. <laughs> uh, 
So Grace is trying to be a fame hound, and Jack is just trying to get laid. It's like a classic Will and Grace. It's like Jack is trying to be like a fame hump or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, the thank fame you. Hound I'll, and I'll the be here fame all week. <laughs> um, it doesn't go that way, which I'm really surprised by. Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty funny, though. Like, like, I think one of the things I liked about that plot line where they go and they get in line and they go through the whole Antiques Roadshow bit is just how obvious some of the beats seemed and then how the show kept twisting it. Yes. Like, you think that they're bringing in the thing and they're going to do the, the, you know, this bit and then it turns out to be worth something, which is a little bit more predictable. Right, like, we expected that. But then, like, I, I forgot how this episode went, so I'm like, oh, so clearly the, the teapot breaks. Right. But it doesn't. In the end, spoiler alert, they run around... They do this great physical comedy bit where it's like a long chase scene through the filming staging site. Yes. And they end up not breaking the teapot, but they do jump through a $25,000 like, screen. Like, like a like Japanese a, folding screen. Right, yeah. It's like one of those room dividing screens. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's really funny because they have this moment where they realize, oh, my gosh, Porcelain Paul says this is worth $30,000. Right. Holy crap. And then I like, have $30,000. I have $30,000. <laughs> and then they like kind of just like look at each other like, no. I think one of my favorite moments was when Deborah Messing and Sean Hayes, like, grab the teapot and jump up, and they're, like, holding on to, like, the little, like, it's like a bar It's like a platform table. bar yeah. table. And they're, like, holding on to, like, the teapot with all their might. And, like, that's where I expected like, to snap in half. They're, like, holding on so tightly that both of them have their feet off the yes. ground. Like, yes. it's impressive. It's really good. Like, it's clearly, like, a sign of their core strength. Like, their mm-hmm. literal core strength. Which is funny, because the episode opens with Grace being like, I just skipped the gym. Let's have pancakes. Well, no, it opens with Grace being like, we said we were going to work out seven days a week as Will is making pancakes. And he's like, yeah, I've been cheating. And she's like, so have I. Hook me up. <laughs> and then they, they carb, carb load. But I think my favorite part of the Antiques Roadshow bit, which I really, really didn't expect is when they burst through the privacy screen, Yes. Porcelain Paul is there again. Yes. And he's just finished telling this lovely couple that the thing they found in their attic is worth $25,000. Uh-huh. And literally without missing a beat, as Jack and Grace are like sprawled on the ground, just like bends down, picks up the teapot, and is like, I think this belongs to you now. Yes. Which I guess for like emotional like distress, they get an extra $5,000. Right. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, it's, oh my God, it's just, it's so funny because it's, it's especially funny to watch Jack and Grace go through the things they're going to buy before yes. they realize that they can't each have $30,000. Right. He wants an Audi and I don't remember what Grace wants. She just, I don't even remember what she wants, but it's just very like fun. Like, mm-hmm. to, And then like they both like agree, like we're going to be adults and we're going to split it. And then like Jack immediately is like, $15,000 doesn't buy an Audi and just like <laughs> grabs it and runs. And then Grace is like, has anyone seen a really excitable gay man running through here with a teapot? And then she's like, oh my god, it's like asking if you've seen a loser at the Renaissance Fair. Sorry. <laughs> All I could think of was the Renaissance Fair. Oh god. It was funny. It was great. It's just, it's a fun plot. And the two plots in this episode are really well weighted, but I think it's just the frivolity of this one that makes it kind of the B plot. Right. It's yeah, it's kind of like the B plot in that there's just like gay romp in the Antiques Roadshow garden. Right. Like we've had other episodes where the B plot has been where they've gotten the title. Like um like to serve and disinfect, sort of. That one's just kind of a weird title anyways. That's not a good example. Mm-hmm. Um But it is it's not uncommon for the show to play that trick when it has a good pun on its hands. And right. make the B-plot the naming plot. I think that the lack of sympathy might be kind of a nudge towards Will's very unsympathetic boss. That's true. He just seems like to give zero fucks about the fact that he's <laughs> asking him to do like something that's literally impossible. Right. Well, let's pivot over there. So, this episode features the return of uh, Will's new boss. Ben Doucette? Yes, Ben Doucette. I always want to say Duquette, but it's because I watched Grey's Anatomy. Right, right, And I'm just right. like, and it's Duquette. like the same. No, it's Ben Doucette, our lovely Will's boss. He is just... 
Just so great. Oh, man. I like, I know you love him, but I kind of hate him. Oh, I love that you hate him. I just hate him. Like, <laughs> he always tells these frivolous stories where he's just like, I love la, la, his la. stories. This time where I like took a chance and asked out these two girls and Will's like waiting for the punchline and he's just like, so anyways, don't listen to any more stupid stories. La, la, mm-hmm. la. I just wanted to tell that story. I had a threesome. Blah, I blah, like, blah. I like the reprise of that though, too, which is later when he's like, Will, you have to make this sale. Did I tell you about how I have these two guys who want to date you? Well, they won't once I fire you. Yeah. So essentially, okay, so there's some kind of timeline fuckery that I yeah. think is happening here. So if we all remember two episodes ago, which is a long time from our standard, just because we take a couple weeks off, we had the Terms of Employment episode where Will gets hired by Ben. Mm-hmm. And this episode seems to take place in the immediate aftermath of that. Like because within he's, a week. He's been there within a week, right. So I think what's clearly happening is there's some episode shuffling. Right. But it's also possible that he's laying this ultimatum on Will now because Will spent his first week at his new job dicking around getting drunk and high with right. Yoko and John. And it's it, just very jarring because we've we've placed this episode after a physical time gap in real life. Right. Like the show t- yeah. took several weeks off. If nothing else, for that reason, it almost didn't make sense to do. Right. So it's a little weird to assume that he's only worked there a week and now he has a week to land a high profile client. Right. But that is the setup we are getting. Right. So Will hasn't landed a high profile client yet. Apparently, just doing the right thing wasn't a good enough reason for him to be employed. Right. Now, Ben just needs him to actually bring in money, which is fair. Which I guess I, I, I can see that. Now, I don't really know why Will hasn't, like, gone back to his pool of people that he fired before, other than that they probably all hate him. Yeah, I'm just going to go with most of the people he fired hate him, and he doesn't have access to Harlan anymore, who is his real big high-profile right. client. And it takes him a long time to think of this, but he ends up actually pursuing... The Walkers. Yes, he pursues Karen and Stan. Because Karen just wanders into the office for <laughs> under very flimsy reasons. It's literally like, we were talking earlier, and I'm like, what was her even reason? You're like, I don't know, she had to deliver a MacGuffin to the office? Right. Like, like something about she has to deliver something from Grace, and right. there's something about, like, Grace and I made a deal. If I brought this over here, I could leave it one. Grace doesn't know about the deal. <laughs> yes. Like, ha, 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 ha. And then, like, Ben is all impressed. He's like, oh, I didn't know you were trying to land the Walkers. We've been trying to get them for years. Right. And then Karen is like... I remember you. You were at the and such banquet. You were the bartender. And he's like, no, you just gave me your drink order. And she's like, yeah, I'm still waiting on that drink. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh, man. But then the rest of the episode features him kind of trying to get that deal without seeming like he's trying to get it. Because, and rightfully so, because once Karen realizes that the jig is up, she turns into like... Godzilla of the corporate world. Or right. Something. She just like completely like knows that she can make him do anything because he's so desperate. Yeah. So like he does a good job of like trying to play her. He like mm-hmm. shows up at her bar and there's this beautiful bit with her and whatever the fuck the name of the bartender is. It's something like Ziggy or whatever. <laughs> like it's one of those Ziggy. old timey like nonsense names. And like her. It's not Ziggy. Her and the bartender have a conversation. It's Smitty. That's what it is. It's yes. Smitty. Smitty makes way more her sense. Her and Smitty have a conversation about how their tab agreement is one month or $1,000, whatever comes first. And Karen looks at him wistfully and she's like, I can't believe it's been a month already. And he's like, it hasn't been. <laughs> and then Will shows up and he's like, sometimes you just want to go where nobody knows your name. And basically he's playing her. Right. And it's very well done. But then she gives her name as like Anastasia Beaverhouse, oh which so, you just about fell off the oh couch. Oh my gosh. So Anastasia Beaverhouse is like one of the most gift scenes on this show. Like mm-hmm. if you type Will and Grace in to Tumblr, you will find at least four gifts of her turning around being like, no, my name isn't Karen. I'm Anastasia Beaverhausen. But like, why? <laughs> it's just like the most ridiculous fake name you could give. But like, why would she even give a fake name? It's Will. 
Because she's drunk, okay? Like, she's just like, no. Like, she just gives she fake is names helping out. out of this conversation so ridiculously that she is willing to give him a stupid ass fake name. I just love that it's Karen amazing. is so committed to ignoring people when she's drunk. She's like, no, I'm not Karen. She's like, person I've met today. She's like, person I hang out with, like, literally daily. <laughs> no, I'm not Karen. My name is Anastasia Bieberhausen. Well, and my first thought was that maybe she was, like, making a play and she oh, wasn't. Yeah. Like, she was in the bar as Anastasia Bieberhausen for some reason. No, because, like, because Smitty referred to her as Mrs. Walker. Right. There was no, there was no follow-up. That was it. That was it. She was just Anastasia Bieberhausen. It's amazing. And then, like, after, he's like, Karen, like, you know me. It's Will. He, she's like, okay, fine. And they have, like, a lovely, lovely conversation where he kind of butters her up and they're drinking together and everything's going very well. And then he tries to, like, pivot in, like, this very smooth <laughs> way. And it he, wasn't that smooth. He tries, though. He, God bless him. He tries. <laughs> And he's just like talk. He like he brings it up. And he's like, you know, last time we had drinks, like you and Stan were having some problems, mm-hmm. like which I- is true because I think that was um, that was in season one. That was the mm-hmm. episode where they went to dinner. Yes, that was the episode they went to dinner, and then Grace thought he was having an affair. Right, so she gets Jack involved, and it's a whole thing. Yes, and so cause and that was an earlier episode. It was so like he asks about that, and she says that you know everything's fine. He has his wing, I have my wing. La la la. <laughs> and Will's just like, so are you and Stan happy with? With your lawyers? <laughs> and Karen's just like, ah. Oh, and, like, you can just, like, see her, like, just become more and more offended. And, like, her <laughs> plumage grows. And she's angry. I, you know, this show, I've never been like, ooh, good costume choice. Except for, like, the leather pants last week. <laughs> yes. But, like, this week they put her in this amazing, like, blue dress with this, like, shawl drapery. So that oh, it looks like a normal, like, fancy rich person dress. But then when she gets mad at Will, oh, it just yeah. turns into, like, Body armor. Like, not quite, like, Cersei in Game of Thrones body armor. But, oh, like, but she's, like, leading back with it. It makes her look bigger than she really is. It's, it's quite good. It looks, like, literally, like, when you see, like, animals in the wild who, like, try and make themselves look yes, bigger. Yes, it's exactly like that. It's amazing. It's, it's really good. And it's a really pretty color. It is. It's, like, a nice blue. Like, a light blue. Yeah, very pretty. Like a robin's egg blue. Yeah. But then she murders him. Yes. So then as soon as she realizes that what's going on, she's just like, oh, I see. So you want to be my lawyer? And then she's like, suck that peanut off the table. And he's like, what? No, I'm not going to do it. And then she just starts like shrieking like, suck it! Suck it! Suck it! Until he does it. And then like after he does it, he's like, God, I hope that was a peanut. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, so what do you say? And she's like, I say you didn't hop on that peanut fast enough. <laughs> it's just, it's just like long unending like gauntlet of things he has to do. She ends oh. up getting him, because she knows about his secret like well, yes, high school trauma. They're trading scars as, like, they're, like, getting yes. along. Right. And he explains that he has a scar on his temple from when, in eighth grade, he sang, I honestly love you, and bombed. I've literally never heard of this song. Oh, my God, I can't believe we've never heard this song. And he bombed at a talent show, and then he ran off stage crying and ran right into someone's, like, headgear. Yep. And so then she, <laughs> so she makes Will sing, I honestly love you. Right. In a high key. Yep, which is just mean. Which is just mean. And, like, it's beautiful. She's like, I need you to convince me that you mean it. And so then he's thinking it. Then she's like, I need you to get up on the piano. So then he does. Right. And he's, like, contorted. And this, like... She's, like, posing him, too, then. She's, like, putting his leg up. She's, like... It's really great. She's, like, literally, like, forcing different parts of him to, like, sit up (laughs) straight. And he, like, looks so uncomfortable. And then she's like, okay, you've almost convinced me. Now convince him. And, like, turns him (laughs) towards the piano player. And that's when he, like, finally gets fed up and, like, is like, Karen, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. I'm a damn good lawyer. And la la la. And you're bitter and sadistic. And I hate you. Goodbye. (laughs) 
It's really, really funny. Yes. And so then Will goes into work the next day. But he's not fired, obviously. Yes, but he's, like, starting to pack up his desk and saying goodbye to, like, his office and the 50-foot Calvin Klein underwear ad. And <laughs> I think I'll miss you most of all. And he's, like, sad. And then Will, uh, and then his boss walks in mm-hmm. and he, you know, is all, like, talking about stuff. And Will, like, tries to, like, sort of, like, explain, like, what happened. And his boss is like, oh, I don't care. Send me a memo about it. That's boring. Right. I'm just here to congratulate you. Karen came in to sign the paperwork. Right. It's so nice of her. Yes. And so, like... Like, obviously, she has to send the paperwork. They aren't going to, like, have him get a job one week and have him not have the job the next week. Right. So, obviously, like, from the moment that you realize that Will has to try and court Karen, you know he's going to get Karen. Right. But it's really funny to watch him try. And basically fail. Yes. It's, it's a spectacular failure. And so, like, he even asks her. He's like, Karen, like, why did you do this? And she's like, well, I like Grace, and Grace likes you. And then, and then it just sort of, like, meanders into this, like, weird, muddy stream of consciousness that involves Smitty the bartender. And Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's very strange. But it's it's a solid conclusion to the episode. Yeah, it is. All right. So now we have to talk about some, some very serious stuff. I don't want to. I'm very sorry. So this episode, I don't know what the fuck was happening. While it was very good and very funny, it had a lot of problematic jokes. It was an equal opportunity terrible joke episode, at least. Yeah, I guess that's true. It, it wasn't, of, like, targeting any one group. It kind of hit all its bases. So when we started off the episode, we have this moment when Jack runs in to talk to Will, and he's all excited because Antiques Roadshow is in town. Right. And Will, of course, naturally turns to him. He's like, oh, I'm so happy. You're going to have such a happy, wonderful life as a woman. Yep. And I'm just like... Just the go-to. Can we just... William, like, can we not? Can we not make this joke about how Jack is secretly a trans woman mm-hmm. and ha-ha-ha, isn't that funny? If nothing else, from a writing perspective, it's really getting to be a lazy joke. Well, that's the thing is, like, not only is it offensive in, like, 50 different ways, but right. it's it's also, like, really lazy. Like, they have made this joke, like, more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. And it's only not even a full two seasons into the show. Yeah. So, like... I know we're going to have to slog through this joke a number more times. And I'm getting Because it's the writer's go-to joke for Jack. And it's like, it's just, it's not funny. Like, it's not an, at all original. Like, oh, what do you know? An effeminate gay man could be a woman? What? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, people in glass houses, Will Truman. Like, right. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, Will Truman, in this episode, sings Olivia Newton-John of his own free will when he was in eighth grade and then does it again. Right. Like, can you talk? Yeah. Can you talk? I honestly love you. Well, honestly, we have seen this before with Will, where Will does, you know, punch down so he can feel stronger about himself. Yes. It's a character trait. It's, it's not a great one, it's, and it's not being presented critically in the episode. Right, like, that's the thing. is, like, at least we had that episode in Will Works Out where we do get a critical look at mm-hmm. Will's, like, very serious, like, internalized homophobia where he has problems with right. more feminine presentations. But when they're not having a very special episode, the show seems fine with still using it. Right. It's like when we're not making a point about this, we think it's okay for Will to be like derogatory towards Jack. Right. And like make fun of Jack's gender identity. And I don't think that's cool. Yeah. So that sucks. Then we have lesbian jokes. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. So like Grace gets the teapot from a lesbian thrift shop and oh my God, it just goes on and on about like, oh, those girls don't know how to use hair products from Grace. And it just, (laughs) it just keeps happening. And it's just very frustrating to me that like this show is supposed to be like celebrating gays, but it's very clear that it's only celebrating a specific type of gay and then it's white cis gay men. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting tired of it. I know the show like happened almost 20 years ago. I know that like my harping about it isn't going to change history, but nonetheless, I'm like, what you got? Why 
Why you gotta hate on lesbians? Mm-hmm. What do lesbians ever do to you? What are happened? They, are there any lesbians on Will and Grace ever? There are some. Someday, there are lesbians. Okay. There, there's gonna be at least one. Okay. So that's good. And Ellen DeGeneres does guest star at one point. So oh, I, I love Ellen. Don't think she plays a lesbian. I think she plays a nun. Well, nuns are lesbians sometimes. So I've heard that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And then to top off our equal opportunity bullshit. We also have a joke that Karen makes about Will like standing there agog and aghast at her signing the papers, and she says that it looks like he's missing a chromosome, which like seems to be some sort of slight about people who might have like chromosomal abnormalities that results in developmental yeah. disabilities. And so it's like great. So now we're also ableist. Good right. job. Good job, Will and Grace. And so I just I found it incredibly frustrating that like it was like they were rounding the bases of ways to be awful this week. Well, and it just made the episode come across as really dated. Yeah, like that's... Because it wasn't funny... It wasn't funny enough to even close, come close to justify any of that. No, and I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like, I could kind of see, like, just based on, like, the culture of the 90s and the early 2000s, that this might not have been considered, like, that bad of a joke. But, like, it's, like, really tiptoeing close to, like, R-word-level jokes. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not acceptable. Well, and I think it's... The fact that they all... The way they are all presented, it really is a strong example of punching down. Right. Because in every situation, you are... You are punching down with the joke and, like, making the character who says the joke feel good about themselves. Right. And it's it's not an attractive move in general, but it's especially not attractive on a show that keeps trying to preach how equality-focused it is. Mm-hmm. Like, this show is clearly trying to, like, send a message that we're doing something from the downtrodden. Right. But it's only this specific type of downtrodden, and it's totally fair game to make fun of everyone else. Right. Like, it's... It's not that you can't make jokes about lesbians or trans people or disabled people. Right, but you can't make fun of them for that reason. Like, right. you can make a joke about, like... So, like, take, for example, on Difficult People, there's a character of Lola. And so she is a waitress. She works in the same place where Billy's character works. Right. She's trans. And she makes... She's just a hilarious character. She's a 9-11 truther. Yes. She's just, like, really intense. She's mm-hmm. constantly, like, smacking around this little twinky gay boy because he treats her like a drag queen. Right. And it's very funny. And she's very funny. And there are some jokes made at her expense, but none of them are about the fact that she's trans. They're all mostly to do with the fact that she's a really intense 9-11 truther. Right. And I think, if I remember right, there are also jokes that have to do with her trans identity, but none of them are made at her expense. Right. That's the thing, is the show picks one or the other and doesn't cross those. Right. So, like, there, there's definitely jokes, but there's never any jokes about, like, isn't it funny that she's... How she's trans. How she's trans. Right. It's like, isn't it funny that, like, something to do with her as a person, which happens to encompass her trans identity... Right. ...is doing a thing. Right. And it's, it's just, it's very funny. And, like, I enjoy that kind of, like, jokes. And it's, it's sort of, like, the same argument that can be made about, like, how there can be funny rape jokes as long as the, the joke isn't on the expense of the victim. Yes. And it just, it seems like Will and Grace hasn't learned this lesson and I And honestly I don't think this lesson was even in cultural discussion. Right. Like that's the thing is like if I remember correctly, it is not a lesson that they ever learned. Right. Because the show ends in what is it, two thousand six? Right. So it's like, it's not that like no one on Will and Grace has ever learned this lesson in the history of humanity. Like Right. It's just like the show as like a whole, as a part of the Zeitgeist, like right. that wasn't really a conversation or a dialogue that we were having in two thousand six right. when the show ended. Mm-hmm. So we were happily, like, skipping off into the sunset with, like, well, we did a show and one of the characters was gay. Yeah. Pat ourselves on the back. Right. And I think that part of the reason that we're doing this podcast is to criticize the show for taking that easy way out. Right. But it's also to... Nope, I guess that's just it. It's just to... Right. Like, I mean, there's definitely ad 
memorable points about the show. Like, you can't really complain about a show in the 90s taking this chance and having some gay representation. Right. There's nothing bad about that. Right. It's just that some of the ways they choose to do it are very exclusive, where mm-hmm. they're only representing a certain tiny sliver of the population. Right. And they're also leaving out just, like, a ton of gay experience. You know what? It, honestly, you know what it is? It's like the show is being written literally for, like, the size of the audience that is, like, Antiques Roadshow watcher size. Right. You know? But, like, a lot of America doesn't watch Antiques Roadshow, for good or for bad. And the show is focusing on this narrow slice mm-hmm. instead of the broader populace. Right. And I would hope it gets better. I know it's not going to as much as I want it to. Right. Like, there's not going to be, like, some really big enlightened right. episode. Like, we're not going to see the sort of transformation we get to see with, like, SVU. Right. Where, like, it's gone from, like, beating the shit out of people who are accused of rape and, like, talking about how they're going to get raped in prison to, like, being, like, a very like, understanding show about how, like, right. even rapists don't deserve to be raped. Right. And But I think it is useful for us to think about Will and Grace as kind of a turning point in that that helps enable some of the stuff that it doesn't actually do very well. Right, yeah. So, so that's positive. Right, and I think that sometimes we find ourselves frustrated because it is hard to view this in the cultural context in which it originated because we don't exist in 2000. Right. We exist in 2016. We're here, we're queer. And things keep getting worse. Yeah. I feel like in this episode in particular, where they're throwing all these other identities under the bus, I'm just like, guys, just don't make it worse. Don't make it harder for everyone. I think that's all we have for this week. Yep. Tess, do you want to tell them where they can find us online? Yes, I will. All right. So if you want to read our beautiful tweets, you can find us on Twitter at NotACoupleShow. If you want to read some beautiful blog posts and find some other cool links and stuff, you can find us on Tumblr at notacouplepodcast.tumblr.com. You can reach us via email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And our show notes are on Medium. And Matthew works really hard on them. They're a nice little summary of the episode. They give you a cool link roundup. So anything that we might have referenced that you're like, the fuck is that? Matthew will tell you with pictures. I will tell you what the fuck that is. He is very good at telling people what the fuck things are. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening to us this week. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hello, Eliza. Stay warm. This episode was not sponsored by Liberty Mutual Insurance and Ancestry.com, the real sponsor of Antiques Roadshow, who would like you to know that Antiques on the Road is not Antiques Roadshow, and viewers like you.